ready to come alive? You just tuned into the podcast keeping you up to date on church news, ministry developments, and positive words to get you fired up for the week. And now, here is your host, Pastor Dave O. Yeah, it's all right. It's a challenging time. We know that, but we've got so many things to be thankful for. And, you know, we serve a great God. We're part of the body of Christ, and we're full of gratitude and awe at God's work in the world and in your life. So welcome back to Come Alive. This week, I've got an interview with Dr. Espen Clausen. We're going to highlight our missionaries, the Anwanalees, and I'll catch you up on all the latest Lighthouse news. But first, let's hear from comedian Jim Gaffigan this week on such disparate topics as bodybuilders and brain surgeons. 60 seconds of funny, let's go. And now, to get you caught up on all the latest news at Lighthouse, let's head over to Lighthouse Weekly. Well, moms, just a reminder that you have a free flower waiting for you at the berry patch. You can stop by their place anytime between May 10 and May 17 to pick it up. Just tell them you're from Lighthouse and uh, take that flower home. Community inReach, this week we're praying for Sarah Harbridge. Sarah is the administrative assistant for the city of Fond du Lac Engineering Division. And so a personal card has been sent to her letting her know that we're praying for her. So let's do that. Let's pray for Sarah. Um, she's with the city of Fond du Lac Engineering Division. A reminder about Hope Counseling, we do have an in-house master's certified counselor ready to assist you and to help you walk through any counseling-related challenges you may have. Uh, any life-related challenges. Her name's Karen O'Brien. She's a member of Lighthouse Christian Church for over 10 years, and uh, she offers hope counseling to help people through problems and difficulties while loving them as Christ instructs his followers. She's got a master's degree in professional counseling through Liberty University, and she's a veteran of the United States Marine Corps and mother of two grown daughters. Karen's qualified to treat depression, anxiety, relationship issues, interpersonal conflict, mood disorders, trauma, grief and loss, abuse, among other things. It's very affordable. So you can go to our website, lccfdl.us, and go to the Hope Counseling page. Or you can call the church at 921-3477, and Karen's extension is number 7. Or you can email Karen at karen at lccfdl.us. So take advantage of this uh, great ministry, this great support that's offered through Lighthouse Hope Counseling. Well, Sunday, Pastor Allen brought an encouraging Mother's Day word, highlighting the joys and struggles of motherhood and recognizing that Mother's Day can be a celebration, uh, but also it can be a time of loss and remembrance for others. And often it's both things at the same time on the same day. And he quoted Romans 12, 9 to 14, focusing on love and action, one of the great characteristics of motherhood. Well, if you didn't catch it, head over to our YouTube page. You can go to YouTube search for Lighthouse Christian Church FDL and you'll find her page or go to Facebook LCC Shine On and check out Pastor Allen's sermon from this last Sunday. And lastly, thanks for your giving. You know, each of you guys have been such an incredible blessing to Lighthouse, your home church, through this time. And you've given online, you've given through the mail, and ministry continues to go on at Lighthouse. 
And I just wanted to remind us all, 2 Corinthians 9.11, it says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So we do thank God for your generosity. God bless you guys. All right, let's head over to the Missionary Minute. This week, we're highlighting our missionaries, Godfrey and Carolyn Anwanali, and they're in Accra, Ghana. So after serving as associate pastor at Lighthouse Christian Church, Godfrey and Carolyn and their family answered God's call to plant churches in Ghana. And the first church planted in April of 2015 is located in the city of Accra. This church is going to train and send believers to the northern parts of the country to reach the unreached. And they're really excited to be in the beginning stages of this ministry and look forward to launching their first church plant later on. And and recently they sent in this update and they quoted Lamentations 3, 21 and 22. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. And they write, Greetings from Ghana. We hope and pray you're safe and healthy in the midst of this global pandemic. Ghana has recorded just under 200 cases of the virus, and by the grace of God, our families well. And we don't know anyone personally that has the virus. Parts of the country, ourselves included, are undergoing a mandatory two weeks lockdown to help curtail the spread. And in times like these, hearts are sensitive and people are asking many questions. We've done our best to share scriptural answers with the love of Christ. To check up on our congregation, we've been making phone calls regularly, and prior to the lockdown, our leaders made limited visits to certain individuals. Many conference calls have been done to stay connected, and we've been praying, washing hands, and keeping the social distancing protocols. It's called Wash and Pray. Well, we appreciate your prayers, they write, and we're praying for you as well. We pray God provides a speedy solution to the pandemic. My encouragement to us all is that this pandemic did not take God by surprise. He is still in charge, and we pray for his mercy. So let's continue to pray for the Anwanalis serving there in Ghana. And uh, God's doing good things through them. We've been able to connect uh, with God for different ways over the last number of weeks and just encouraged to hear uh, how the family is doing. But let's let's uphold them in our prayers. And to keep updated with what's happening with the Anwanali family and their mission, Serve Ghana, you can visit their website, www.servegana.org, and you can sign up to receive email newsletters there on their website. And now, to refresh our minds, here's Karen O'Brien from Hope Counseling with this week's Health Minute. Hi everyone, this is Karen with Hope Counseling. Recently, I began rereading the book of Joshua. It starts out with the Israelites crossing the Jordan River to enter into Jericho. After wandering in the desert for 40 years, they were finally to the place where they would cross over, to the place that God had foretold. But when they got to the river, there was no obvious place for them to pass. The Lord gave Joshua instructions, and then the Lord stopped the river at the place he had appointed for their crossing. This passage seemed to jump off the pages at me because it resonates with much of what we are experiencing now. The Israelites were crossing from their past into their future. In a very similar way, we have passed and our lives have changed from a time that we knew quite well into unfamiliar territory. 
The Israelites were crossing at a time of year when the river was high and the riverbanks were overflowing. This was not going to be an easy crossing for them. The waters were fast moving and turbulent and the way would be dangerous and uncertain. Uncertainty and turbulence has been a part of our everyday lives for many weeks. The Israelites were crossing with a lot of people and possessions. We are certainly a great number of people. There are more than 7 billion people in the world today. The Israelites were crossing into enemy territory. Now, I don't know that I'd say we are in enemy territory, but it certainly feels like a fight at times. And then Joshua gave further instructions to his men. There were 12 men appointed, and they were to take 12 stones from the river and set them up on the land as a memorial. And finally, Joshua set up 12 additional stones on the dry riverbed where the priests had stood holding the Ark of the Covenant and the Israelites had passed. Both of these undertakings were for the specific purpose of remembering the crossing and establishing a memorial so that the people would remember and their children would have reason to ask, what do these stones mean? So what lessons can be learned from this passage? For me, it teaches that God always wants to take us from our past into a new future. The question is, will we let him? Will we accept or resist the changes that come our way? How are we responding to the uncertainty and turbulence in our everyday lives right now? What are we finding out about ourselves and how are we growing? Lastly, what will you remember about this time and how will you remember? What is your memorial stone to this time in your life for yourself, your children, and your family? This Mental Health Minute has been brought to you by Hope Counseling. God bless everyone. All right, it's time for a new section in the episode called Lighthouse DNA, and I wanted to talk a little bit about what Lighthouse is all about. What are some of the some of the primary values? What's the vision of Lighthouse? And just to highlight a little bit of that uh, over the next couple of weeks. And first of all, I want to say that Lighthouse really uh, is after being a safe harbor where we can express God's care, build a strong faith, and create a strong family together. And we know that God cares enough about each one of us that even though we were stranded, he not only shines a light to signal hope and safety, but he doesn't hesitate to come after us. You know, he risks everything for us. And he comes into our difficult times. Uh, he comes into our, our, our sin and our shame. And he meets us in that place and he provides a way out, a way of rescue. God pursues us. God saves us. And he does that because he cares, because we matter to him. And so because of that, people matter to us as well. We pursue others. We seek them out. We um, choose to meet people in the middle of their flaws, in the middle of their struggles and, and the mess and the darkness and the storm. 
And we choose to persist until others know the truth of God's righteousness. And that's that picture of the lighthouse in dark times, uh, that there's a safe harbor, there's a safe place, and that's in the presence of God, and that's with the people of God. And God cares about us, and so we care about people. We care about what's going on in their everyday lives uh, because we care where they're spending eternity. So again, lighthouse is the safe harbor where we express God's care, we build a strong faith, and we create a strong family together. We care because God cares. And one of the uh, primary um, Lighthouse values is following Jesus. It sounds like a pretty obvious thing, doesn't it? But it's really speaking to discipleship. We care about following Jesus. We trust his word. We follow the lead of Christ, and we honor him Above all, following Jesus speaks to discipleship. And at Lighthouse, we find discipleship in uh, numerous ways. First of all, we find consistent biblical teaching and preaching on Sunday mornings where the Word of God has a high place in our gatherings. We honor the Word of God. We attempt to integrate the Word of God in our lives, in our actions, in our families. Uh, We also have small groups through the year where this is a great place for discipleship, to grow in your faith, to be stretched, to get to know other Christians, other believers who, who are on the same path as you, who are going through the same struggles as you are. And small groups are, are, are a great way to do this. Um, and even now we've had small groups. Even though we can't meet in larger groups at church, we do some small groups online. And if you want to join a small group, if you want to know what that's about, uh, just email me at, at davo at lccfdl.us, and I'll tell you more about that. Uh, we also find opportunities for discipleship through baptism and church membership. Uh, and the goal is really for each of us to move along to the next phase of spiritual growth in our lives. So we're Wherever you are, if you're a new believer, there's another step you can take to grow. If you've been a believer for 45 years, there's another step that you can take in your growth. And so we look for ways to do this at church. And and some of those ways are through baptism and being a member of Lighthouse. You know, and saying, Lighthouse is my home church. I'm committing to this. I want to be involved. I want to be invested. Um, I want to help uh, minister. And, and that's the other area. There are opportunities to serve and bless other people. You know, each one of you has something to offer. You've got a gift. You have something that you can bless another person with. God's given you that ability. And our job as pastors and staff is to find your place of ministry at Lighthouse. You have a place of ministry. Our goal is to help you find that. And following Jesus is about owning that call of God upon your life. And there's this old clip from Reverend C.L. Franklin where he's talking about that following Jesus is about rejecting the temptation to blend in and accepting the challenge to step out and identify with Jesus. Let's listen to this together. All right, so Lighthouse DNA, we dream of being a safe harbor where we express God's care, build a strong faith, and create a strong family together. And the first Lighthouse value that we talked about today was following Jesus, uh, which is referring to discipleship. So we'll look at more next week about that. Uh, Well, it's time for some encouraging words in Faith Focus. 
Okay, this week on Faith Focus, I was honored to be able to interview Espen Clausen, who's a licensed psychologist with Fond du Lac County's Department of Community Programs, and his work includes outpatient therapy with couples, families, and individuals of all ages. Dr. Clausen grew up in Norway and attended college at Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota. He graduated with his PhD in clinical psychology from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, one of the few remaining psychology programs emphasizing full training in becoming both a a clinician and a scientist. He completed his pre-doctoral internship at Mendota Mental Health Institute, Wisconsin Premier State Psychiatric Hospital. Now you can find more information about Dr. Clausen at his website www.espenclausen.com. That's E S P E N K L A U S E N, espenclausen.com. All right, let's tune in to this fascinating interview with Dr. Espen Clausen. Dr. Clausen, it's great having you here on the podcast today. And the man, the legend, we've got him right here live. So thanks for taking a few minutes with us. <laughs> well, um, I love being here. Thank you so much for having me. You know, it was fun. We, I know we've been able to cross paths um, uh, numerous times, especially at the No Regrets Men's Conference, and you've been a regular presenter there. And it's always just great, uh, great information and great uh kind of uh, great things to chew on and to um, to think about how we operate as human beings in all of our complexities. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm happy to uh, help people understand uh, themselves and the world better. And I'm excited to talk a little bit about uh, perspectives during this time of uh, increased isolation. And I wanted to look at, particularly at issues of control during crisis. I know that nobody likes that feeling of being out of control. And I was wondering, just on a conceptual state, what are we trying to get when we control something, when we attempt to control something? What needs are we attempting to satiate when we are attempting to control? Naturally, that, that need for control can stem from a lot of different places for different people. But generally speaking, we have a great need for control uh, because, well, one thing, it is instinctual in us. We wouldn't have developed the way we have um, and, and come as far as we have if we didn't have that instinctual need. But more in terms of, of what motivates us, not having control opens a lot of room for fear. Mm. One of the biggest things we hate or, or run away from or, or have a hard time taking is this notion of bad things happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, we tend to have this instinct of as soon as something bad things happens, we have to, we have this instinct, we have to explain it. And to some extent, we do something that most people see as a way of assigning blame, but it's not really mm -hmm. so much about blame as it is about helping us have a sense of control for the future. Yeah. So, uh, although I rarely hear, hear this with, with the co current coronavirus thing, uh, for other things, people often kick into blaming themselves, even when clearly it was just an accident or, the, or it was somebody else's fault. Sometimes mm -hmm. we jump into that blaming ourselves because that means we have some control over whether that will happen in the future. I made uh, a bad choice, I can fix that. I wasn't skilled enough, I can gain skills. Yeah. 
Or if you blame it on someone else, then it's, well, it wasn't my fault. The world still makes sense. That's a bad person or they need to change or I can stay away from that person or I could do whatever else I need to to protect myself from that person. And that brings you back into you can control the world. This notion that bad things just happen or at least, and we're not always going to understand why and how, that leaves a lot of fear because then you go through the day not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, well, that's true. And if, if there's like a sense of randomness to our lives where we can't explain things or we can't exert some measure of control or management over it, then I, I suppose there's like a sense of meaninglessness that can set in. And, and we kind of, we naturally fight against that, don't we? We feel like, no, there's gotta be a reason. There's gotta be a purpose. There's, there's gotta be something behind this. And maybe, and is that part of it as well? It is. It is. And uh, the word, there's a word for it, uh, mm-hmm. which is applied in a lot of various different uh, areas, and that's teleology. Okay. T-E-L-E-O-L-O-G-Y. Sounds like, like theology, but, but, yeah. uh, but quite different. Teleology is the notion of focusing on the purpose something serves. Uh-huh. So, for example, if uh, Darwinian talks about um, a species developing uh, and and evolving in a certain direction, if they ever talks about these changes are happening in order to become faster, in order to become more adapt and things like that, then that's the fallacy of teleology. It's Mm. thinking about as if these changes are happening with a purpose in yeah. mind. Um, but the same thing then often, but we, we strive towards the teleology, the notion that there is an in, that there is some form of design behind it, because that means yeah. it's something that could be changed, someone can change their mind, and now a lot of things can make sense. And that's yeah. certainly with the COVID-19 thing going on, a lot of conspiracies, theories, and such are based on the notion of teleology, the assumption that something is being done or happening for a specific purpose. Yeah, well, that is an interesting point. And that was another thing I wanted to ask was, you know, this desire for control and to have a sense of meaning or to um, affect our environment around us, you know, that we that we have this motivation to find answers for some of these complex problems. How is that motivation connected with some of these conspiracies and misinformation that we that we see popping up? around us is that is that directly linked to just our desire to be able to kind of categorize or to put our stamp on something or to manage it to find some structure to say okay i understand what's going on and if i understand it then it's not as as scary it, it often provides a way of as you're saying understand what's going on and when we understand what's going on it makes it easier to to direct our emotions yeah, um, And as such, in general, we have a tendency to, our instinct tends to be to believe a lie that mm. we can easily understand over a truth that we can't quite understand. Okay. And yes. most conspiracy theories are based on that. And it's based on putting together a lot of information together. It, it's a simple theory, suddenly makes 12 different data points make sense. So in um, times of crisis, like we almost have a have a propensity to latch on to some of these some of these conspiracies just as a way to kind of 
provide an easy structure to make sense out of what's happening. Like we, it's in other words, in times of crisis, do we even need to be more alert about you know what we're listening to, what we're reading, what we're paying attention to, rather than just kind of taking things wholesale and. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing that goes on into that is um, anxiety is a very uncomfortable feeling. Mm-hmm. And a feeling that's still difficult, but feels a lot better and makes us feel empowered is anger. Mm. So okay. if, so anyone and, and, and anger is not his own raw feeling. Anger always builds on underlying emotions. That's where it gets its power. But Mm. someone can sit with this anxiety or things they don't quite understand or can't control. They can read an article that finds someone or something to blame and in a way that gives a reason to feel anger. The result will often now be that the person feels less nervous, less anxious. And instead, they now have anger that can fuel their emotion and direct it towards something. And that now also gives them something else that they can control. They can go out protesting they can post it on facebook it's it's can greatly change their feelings and aid in their coping but unfortunately can now be very destructive Hmm. well that's a good point so it's kind of like an outlet we can feel like okay now i can name it i can categorize it and i can pour my emotions towards it and that feels good because I don't have it bottled up now I have a target I have a subject but like you said some there's there's a healthy way to do that and an unhealthy way to do that and so the other thing I wanted to ask was when we look at issues of control you know a lot of times we we look at it as something external okay um, you know whether it's the government or or the state or um, my workplace you know my boss but there are external things. There are also internal things that we look at that we can manage and, and quote unquote control in our lives. Where should we spend our energy or our focus in terms of control? How do we have a healthy focus of control in our lives? Is it on the external things? Is it internal? Is it a combination of those things? It is a combination. And, and a lot of it comes down to what of those things within those we're talking about. For example, mm. one thing that gets destructive for people is when they insist on controlling their emotions. And, and when I say that, I mean literally their emotions. If you feel anxious mm. or you feel nervous, you can't just will yourself to not feel nervous. Yes. Um, and, um, and this is particularly the case among a Bible-believing evangelical population. Because there's so many Bible verses that talk about things like, do not worry. Mm or don't be anxious, except if you understand those passages the way they should, they're not talking about you're bad for having that feeling. Mm. Those passages are saying that that does not mean that you have to control your life accordingly. Okay. So you may feel nervous about the coronavirus, but that does not mean that you have to move to a cabin in the forest, or that does not mean that you have to build up an armament and keep everyone from mm. being six miles from your property. Right. But it does mean that we're going to have those emotions, and we can't control that we have those emotions or not. So the control mm. isn't at the level of get rid of it. And that we should be honest about that, right? We should be honest about what we're feeling Absolutely. and not pretend that we're not stressed or, you know, that we're not anxious, but just to bring those things to the light. But then to 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 cope with those 
feelings in a healthy way. Absolutely. And those healthy ways, uh, as I already implied, don't go by choosing to feel differently. But you can make Mm. a lot of choices that help you with that. For example, uh, if you go to my website, uh, ESPENKLAUSEN.com, it's just my name.com, very creative. There's a whole PowerPoint presentation on there. It's, it's sound if you start it, uh, I narrate it. But it talks about how to deal with stress in a healthy way during COVID-19. But one of the most important ways is actually physical activity, which many people don't mm. get into these days. But it's one of the many reasons why they've opened the state forests again. People do need mm. to get outside and they do need to get active. And the reason for that is... The way an anxiety and stress happens is our brain detects a challenge. And our brain doesn't know the difference between a physical life-threatening challenge that you have to deal with physically now and something that is more you have to use your brain or your social skills or like now, sit back and wait it out. Our our brain doesn't – that primitive part of our brain doesn't know the difference. So it releases what's called cortisol. Cortisol is a hormone that is what's responsible for our stress response. Okay. Um, And that hormone really only leaves our body one way, and that's by being burnt in our muscles. So as we sit back Mm. and just sit inside and wait for this this to go over, we get a lot of people these days that just have cortisol levels that are high, and you just sit there, and it never goes away. So one of the most important things these days, yeah, deal with it by doing physical exercise. Wow, fascinating. What's also important is, and you brought up a very good point in this uh, podcast here about that idea of control. We do instinctively have a need for control. So then it's good to find the things that we can control. A lot of people Mm -hmm. are getting things fixed up in their house. Part of you know, I've I've built an extra fence for our dogs. I've scraped the ceiling in our bedroom because of some water damage from years ago, so it's ready for painting. Mm. So good things like that are good, and and things like making masks for people that may not Mm. have access to them, uh, or you want one that looks particularly nice for them. Things like calling people that you might think might be alone these days, or maybe extra encouragement. In other words, finding good things that we can do that gives us a sense. Yeah. Well, I like that point you made, too, because it's like it's it's externally focused. It's kind of like, you know, we're thinking about other people. Um, how can I help someone? How, how can I encourage somebody else? Give them a phone call, make a mask for them. Um, just check up, see how they're doing. That that in itself is like it takes us away from our own sort of narcissistic tendencies and reminds us that, you know, there's there's more out there. There's a higher calling. And, it, and that connection with people is such a healthy grounded place to be to create a community even when we're separated to still build those strands of community wherever we are yeah this is also a wonderful opportunity for people to practice the discipline of acceptance and particularly Mm. practice the the acceptance of feelings in general but particularly that feeling of not having control Mm. there's a kind of prayer which has a long tradition called acceptance prayer, uh, mindfulness prayer, um, sur- um, surrender prayer. I practice this regularly myself. Uh, my spiritual director not, uh, um, introduced me uh, to the idea. But that's where you're praying, where you directly, you name the feeling, mm. and, you, and you identify it, 
and you very specifically tell yourself to God uh, and yourself that you accept having that feeling, you're okay having that feeling. It doesn't mean that you like having that feeling. It's just that you accept that you have it and you take it and develop that skill of not having to fight all feeling, all feelings. You may have to fight the behaviors that you feel like doing, but that is okay to have that feeling. And particularly these days, that is okay to not feel in control. Mm-hmm. And that can be a deeply spiritual exercise because in the end, so much about faith is to acknowledge that in the end, God is in control. Yeah. More than ever, this gives us that opportunity to practice, am I willing to let God be in control? Now, before yeah. someone misunderstands this, that does not mean that I'm advocating, oh, I'm going to go around and hug everyone I can and ignore social distancing because I'm going to trust God. No, right. that's, not, right. that's not what I'm talking about. Because those are the things that we can control. And God clearly, yeah. God clearly ordains that we should respect authorities and that they have mm. things in place that protect us. And more than ever, this is the time for things like that. So I'm not saying we, we, violate, we, we violate those things. No, we've been provided with ways to control things the way we can. But then the remainder sense of control, because as we sit in our homes or in our office or and have minimal human contact, and we feel like we can't control this thing, then it's good to admit that mm. beyond what we know to do, we can't and accept that. Yeah. Well, I love how you kind of brought it back around to um, that walk of discipleship that in a, in a sense, this can be a, a test case for us to really to, to walk out what we believe. And if we really believe God is in control, how are we going to view these current circumstances through that belief and that life action? Like, how can I practically live today as if I really do believe that God is in control? And how is that going to impact my attitudes and my emotions and my focus? It, it really kind of brings it home on the ground, living for Christ exactly where we are in this situation. And that's our challenge right now. And, and it is a challenge. And, and, and But it's so much about what it's about. And But if you want to see yeah. that people struggle through it and, and, and how this can be is reading the Gospels. One, uh, one way to reread the Gospels is to, re, is to reread it from the perspective of the disciples in their mm. struggles with letting go of control. Because so much of what they're doing yeah. is that notion of control. They're expecting this Messiah that's physically going to take control in their world even leading up mm. to the Last Supper, they're arguing yeah. about who's the greatest of them, which is just another form of who's in control <laughs> or if something happens to him, who's yeah. now the leadership, who's the greatest. And so much of what Christ talks about is about that surrender of control. And so much mm. at the heart of really coming to Christ and letting go of things like being saved by works, it's, it boils down to that control because the yeah. gospel of works and the gospel of control in many ways is the same heresy of a gospel. Uh. It's the gospel of works is I can do something to gain salvation. I can control yeah. it. And, mm. uh, of course, it doesn't work that way, but it's so hard to give up that control. Yeah. 
And when we're in a time like this, I feel like it just kind of lays open all of those, maybe those faulty assumptions or those thing, those thoughts we have about how things work or how things should work. And then we see it kind of crumbling down during this time. Maybe some people are feeling like, wow, okay, that was kind of a house of cards and it's disorienting. But now we get to come back, we get to reorient ourselves. And like you said, around scripture, around the word of God, around that perspective that, okay, if, if we if we really believe in in good seasons and bad seasons that's God that God's in control how do I live that out now how do I put Christ on the throne of my mind and my heart and my plans in in each of these days and that's where it really hits home that's beautiful I think this also exemplifies an area of control that is very hard for the American mind I'm, of course I'm not speaking hmm. of all Americans but but talking across countries and cultures here uh, some listeners yeah. may notice I have an accent so uh, I, I grew up in Norway I spent, I've spent half my life there I, I visited there every few years and there's certainly distinct differences in culture regarding what we're experiencing mm. these days uh, but I think some of it yeah. illustrates some things that exemplifies the church there's so much that the Bible talks about in terms of the church that is collective or that is about mm. what we do together and where principles such yeah. as it's easy to get into that oh i'm gonna get a notch on my cross because i did the prayer with someone and they came to faith or yeah. i'm such a bad evangelist or bad christian because i've never done it or i only did it once except mm. we know that it's usually a combination of many things. First of all, the Holy Spirit called the person, but very often it's the yeah. seed sown and nurtured by many believers over years. Almost hmm. never do, I, do you have one person bringing someone to Christ. Yeah, and so, much, and so much of what the Bible talks about, about us doing as a church, is at the corporate level. The, the Bible rarely talks about what God wants the individual to do, except for the elect people that, that we talk about, like Moses and Abraham and things like that. But in the American mindset, we're so individualistic that mm. we tend to get very focused on my freedom and what I should do and what I can do that will make things better. So the yes. notion of by all of us practicing social distancing, by all of us being responsible with things, we just do that then things are going to get better. That gets really hard for people to trust. It mm -hmm. is it all government and uh, in, in the state level, uh, federal level have to put in place a lot of laws that many other countries would just put in as recommendations because they know in in many other cultures and countries people will follow the recommendations because people recognize this is best for us as a group, even though it's annoying to me. Uh, by the fact yeah. that we're pretty much all doing this, then yeah. uh, then things get better. It's at a corporate level, mm. which often gets difficult in an American mindset. And in American church often does experience difficulties with believers thinking corporate about what they do and how they function. Because yeah. we're such an individualistic culture. Yeah. How do we um, how do we encourage people to continue to be the church 
in this uh, in this time of distance, but remembering that you know we're the we're the community of God's people together, whether we gather at a location or whether we're spread out, that we are still the people of God, and we get to be the church. We get to be the people of God to Fond du Lac during this time. And that's a great calling. You know, that's a great commissioning. And it's such a kind of a higher level perspective of, you know, God calls us to more than just like considering ourselves, just like what you were saying. It has really pushed us to get back to that mindset of the church is the people, not the building. Yeah. We are meeting places. It's great for us to come together when that's safe, but it's not about showing up for a service on Sunday or Saturday. It's about Mm. coming to Christ, worshiping God, and it's about us as a body of Christ checking in with each other. Yeah, being that support to each other and being, um, yeah, being the body of Christ to one another. Uh, Now, more than ever, we really uh, really need that and people are needing that, that connection. And that's what we get to do. You know, the great thing is we, we can look at it as an opportunity. You know, not just the setback, not just a challenge, but an opportunity to get out there. And and Dr. Clausen, I just I just thank you so much for taking these minutes to uh, um, to to visit. I feel like I could talk with you all afternoon about these things, and uh, it's been really great. Thanks so much for your I time. love it. I love that. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thanks again to Dr. Espen Clausen for joining us for the interview today. Just a lot of great stuff to consider and mull over and integrate into our lives. Remember to check out his website, www.espenclausen.com. Well, that's it for this week's podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, we come alive through the power of Jesus Christ. I'll catch you next time on Come Alive. Oh, thank you.